This is Aftermath, where we bring you the week that was in MMA. It's your man, the voice co-host of Aftermath and Trackstar Sports MMA correspondent with my man, the one who has been blessed with the beard of Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Moses, what's going on, man? <laughs> Not much, man. You flatter me every time when we start. <laughs> hey, well, you know when you when you're rocking the lumberjack uh, beard and you and you're able to pull it off, I think that that should be highlighted. <laughs> you know, well, and, I do and, appreciate it. Hey, no, no worries. And you know what? It just dawned on me. Um, talking about rocking the lumberjack beard, you kind of are a lumberjack. Yes. Uh, matter of fact, uh, this week at work, I probably chopped down four or five trees. Well, I don't want to say chopped, I chainsawed because I'm, uh, I'm not about axing down some trees, Paul Bunyan style, uh, in this Florida heat. But uh, I actually have dropped quite a few trees this week out of my forest. So I, uh, I do seem to fit the bill this, uh, this week at least. <laughs> All right. If I'm not mistaken, the picture you sent me is uh, a red and black. You got a red and black checker shirt on, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe it's flannel. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> oh, I totally forgot. Well, my uh, as one of uh, the men who reared me said, I don't believe uh, in coincidence. Uh, it's just God's providence. So uh, it, it was his providence that allowed me to remember <laughs> that uh, that you had that shirt on as we were talking about all this wonderful um, uh, tree talker of foliage talk. All right. Enough of, of all of that. Let's get into some fights. And this week we... Uh, we took a step back because there wasn't a lot going on over the past couple of weeks as far as the major promotions were concerned. So, you know, we said, I, I know PFL is there, and we could jump on just with PFL, but why not wait, make it worth everyone's while, and cover Bellator 204 as well, uh, since we do things in order of, or I should say revert, yeah, not reverse order, but order of uh, occurrence. We'll start off with the Professional Fighters League and uh, the sixth installment of Professional Fighters League took place at the beautiful Oceans Resort and Casino in Atlantic City, which will also be the location for PFL 7 in about a week on uh, that car specifically. They had the welterweights and middleweights, and people were punching their tickets for the postseason in the welterweight division. You have Steven Seiler, number one with 12 points. Lance Palmer, uh-oh, that's, that would not be the welterweight division. That would be the featherweight division. It would. Now, I know, because Lance Palmer <laughs> used to be the featherweight champ of the WSOF, which was the first uh, incarnation of 
the professional fight league. In well to in the welterweight division, we have the upstart, the rising star that is Ray Cooper with eleven points. Uh Joao Zeferino is ranked uh Arshansa has uh yeah, the number two rank with ten points. Megamed Megamed Karimov, uh, who has the most Megameds in his name <laughs> of all of uh, the known fighters in the major uh, MMA leagues. He's at number three with nine. Rick the Horror Story with eight points. At number four, Pavel Kush coming in at fifth with five points. Bojan Volokovic at six, also with five points. And then Jake Shields uh, has punched his ticket. He's got a crown, which means he goes to the playoffs in seventh place with three points. Now, sitting right outside of that, you've got Abubakar Nurmagomedov, the brother. I'll just call him brother because uh, I share the same kind of relationship with my cousin that he does with his. I mean, we grew up in the same house. His father reared me, so that's my father, and he's my brother. So, And that's uh, Abubakar's relationship with the light weight champion of the world, the man getting ready to participate in the biggest pay-per-view fight in MMA history, Khabib the Eagle Nurmagomedov. Uh, He's at third place with one and one. Paul Bradley's right on the outside at uh, 0-1. He's got another fight that has to take place, which will actually take place next week on PFL 7. He'll be fighting Anderson Ferreira de Souza Santos. Yeah. Whole lot of names from uh Brazil. Eleven and one though. So the gentleman uh doesn't look like he has a pushover in his fight. I'm interested in seeing how that specific scenario is going to play out because if Bradley comes in and he wins by three points, does that mean that he's in or does that mean that Nurmagomedov's in? How is it that Shields is in with only three points and uh, Nurmagomedov is not in? Well, I can see how he's not in because he could have uh, Bradley could stop stop the uh, person in this fight or uh, Mr. Bunch of Last Names uh, <laughs> Santos, Anderson Santos, I'm just going to say uh, he could also stop the fight and secure a spot. I'm just wondering how Jake Shields gets in with three. That that's what doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I was looking at the rules, and the only thing I can think of is that because Jake Shields was a welterweight champion for WSOF, that that gives him maybe some bonus or something. I don't know, but that 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 one that one kind of confuses me. I don't know how he's in and. Uh, Nurmagomedov was on the outside when they both had um, th- had three points and, and just won their fight by decision. I uh, I also do not know that. I was actually thinking that watching the fights um, with a lot of these elimination fights coming up is exactly how like I understand how it uh, the tiebreaker for like scored points is. Um, uh, time of finish. Mm-hmm. So if if you right. had you know two guys uh, finish the first round, 
But I, I've, I was also wondering that myself, exactly what happens when you have guys go to go the distance. Um, you know, you have three or four or five guys that win maybe one fight and as a decision, what is criteria? Is it activity, strikes landed, strikes thrown, um, opponent record? I'm not 100% sure of that either. I actually meant to look that up this week, and I just uh, got sidetracked, I guess. But you re-mentioning the Jake Shields, I was uh, thinking a lot the same. when I. That's what got me thinking about it, actually, uh, was when I saw the James uh, Jake Shields, sorry. And the the only thing I can think of, which um, I'm seeing if I can get the information for, is that maybe the scoring for the fight has something to do with it. Maybe Nurmagomedov's fight was 29-28, where Shields was uh, 30-27, and that gave him the nod. I, I don't know. But while we're going through and looking at things, if I'm able to um, get access to some information as far as the the, uh, the scores are concerned, then I will definitely uh, share that. So, anyway, uh, just just a thought. But what were your thoughts regarding uh, PFL Seven? I know you had a couple fights specifically that you wanted to um, to discuss. Yes, and uh, fighters or fights, something yes. to that effect. Um, yeah, again, kind of going through this card, much like we talked about the last PFL with a lot of guys trying to just secure the wins. Um, you didn't see quite as much uh, urgency to grab those early finishes um, as we had seen in the, the you know PFL 1 and 2 and, and so forth. And uh, so, again, you had quite a few uh, decisions, but uh, both on the two, – two fights I wanted to cover on the, on the main card um, – was the if I'm not mistaken, it was the opening fight on mm-hmm. the NBC Sports Network card. Because um, I, I don't like saying main card because there's not really any prelims. I mean, these are all fights trying to get into the playoffs. Um, so look, the, the, look at you sounding like a PFL commercial. There, I know, right? No no, there are no there are no prelims. Right. Uh, Every yeah. fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, you know, and and to keep that, and, and it is true because you had some very good fighters um, fight. I mean, you had mentioned Rick Story fought uh, on what would be considered a a prelim fight, I, I guess, on Facebook Watch yeah, or whatever he, they're calling he, it now. Yeah, fought on the Facebook Watch portion of the yes. card. Um, but the, the, the opening fight um, was uh, Joao Zeferino and Yuri Villafort. Yes. Um, really a good – I went back and watched it because I was, I was trying to figure out I – was, I was thinking about doing the Rick Story fight because um, it's the one I remember the most. And then I went back and watched the Zeferino-Villafort fight, and I am – I decided – I changed my mind on which one I wanted to cover. This was really – this fight in and of itself was like four different fights and how it, how it started kind of what happened in the middle and how it ended. Um, it started out, uh, Zeffrino, I believe had a first round knockout, uh, in his first fight. He's he KO'd Paul Bradley is all I remember. I'm not entirely sure if it was first round or not. Um, so it was coming in and Villafort had lost his fight. So obviously mm-hmm. an elimination fight for, uh, Villafort if he couldn't, couldn't win. Well, Zeferino comes out in the first, uh, the, 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 the first round and it's just really both fighters look fantastic, but Zeferino's really landing some just power shots, um, moving very nicely. 
Uh, the second round starts, uh, I believe actually in the first round, there was also a point where uh, Villafort tried to get a takedown and it was thwarted a couple of times. Um, a lot of, a lot of kicks from Zeferino, just really an all around good round, but I had it scored for Zeferino. And in the second round, uh, Villafort really changed up his tactics, decided to go to a more wrestling heavy approach which actually landed him on his back on a beautiful reversal. It was a spinning kick from Zeferino mm-hmm. that the distance was closed, caught, and in the middle of the takedown, Zeferino was able to recenter balance and hip throw <laughs> Villafort to get him on his back. Uh, the fight eventually got back to the feet and ended in a clinch up against the cage with Villafort um, as the – uh, aggressor, if you would say, the guy whose back was not on the on the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could justifiably say that this fight is is one and one going into this third round. Um, interesting though, at the end of the second round, uh, when Villafort finally broke the clinch, I'm sorry, when Zeferino broke the clinch, he landed a a good head kick that Villafort tried to shake off, and as he shook it off, caught and just ate a really really hard uppercut. Uh, which was from distance too, which was, was very impressive. Um, looked like Villafort was, was worn out from, from trying to keep Zeferino up against the cage. And the third round um, started and uh, Zeferino decided he was going to move into the clinch, uh, got Villafort up against the cage, uh, set one hook in standing um, and was able to get up onto Villafort's back who tried to, you know, fall forward, lean forward, post up and slide him off and was able uh Zephyrina was able to hang on and slide in a very deep rear naked choke um that actually got uh, Villafort to tap still standing um in that posted position and I think I texted you after I rewatched it and said man that standing rear naked choke though right was just a thing of beauty um because the, the sadly the the camera angle wasn't the greatest watching it um but you can you can see just between Villafort's legs, just immediately he goes to tap and um, mm-hmm. didn't even want to get to the ground. I mean, was trying to get him off of him, still in a standing position, trying to post, uh, trying to post up and get him to slide off. Uh, really a great, like I said, it was it was really a, a it was more like watching a couple of different fights, different techniques, different approaches. Each guy finding the weakness or the, the soft spot in the other guy's um, arsenal. And then to, just to see and watch in the corners, really, okay, this is what we're going to have to do this round. And and to watch, you know, one round go, in my opinion, pretty definitively to Zeferino, one round going pretty definitively to Villafort, and then see Zeferino come back, readjust, and uh, seeing that, in my opinion, Villafort looked tired and was able to secure that rear naked choke and in that standing position was – in if anybody here is big into jujitsu and stuff and, and these different submissions, um, uh, Vil, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Zeferino only had one hook in, in the standing right. position was actually able to more or less clamp down with his other leg and, and keep himself up in that position. And, uh, which is why I said, I mean, it was just really a very highly technical, uh, move and it just super, super cool. Yeah. I mean, finishing anyone with a, choke from a standing position is difficult in and of itself you see it more often with a guillotine because people are able to kind of lean back and get on their toes and get the leverage needed but yeah a standing rear naked choke 
submission is uh you know that that's a unicorn that's a unicorn <laughs> all right um okay so you you talked oh yeah you talked about one fight but you had another one to cover before you do that though let me jump in and uh really quickly talk about the Rick story fight since you did not because mm-hmm. yeah story uh made Carl Minus live up to his name and just yeah he was a minus and, and put him to sleep literally with a rear naked choke in the second round. Uh round one was 10 8 to me. Story controlled the whole thing and nearly tapped him with about 45 minutes left in round one. Uh for the second round he came out and did the same thing. Just controlled the fight the whole time until he was able to sink in that rear naked choke. And when he did, I mean, it was lights out. Really nice. All right. Now, uh, you wanted to talk about the the golden boy of the PFL. Uh, So uh, go ahead and and talk to the people a bit about uh, seemingly their their hottest commodity. Yes. uh, We actually talked in length i believe um about ray cooper the third when he fought jake shields in mm-hmm. just an absolute dominating fashion Man. was able to knock out uh jake shields and he sure enough showed up and showed out in his uh his fight against uh pablo kush is that yes. say it? Uh-huh. um with a what was it 18 second knockout um, just came out uh, very aggressive, um, was just throwing punches, and as fast and as almost, I, I, I want to say recklessly as he throws punches, um, they're not. I mean, they're very clean, they're very precise, and almost everyone seems to land, whether it's whether it's to the head, to the arm, to the chest, to the body. I mean, he's throwing and he's he's making contact, and that's exactly what happened. Just completely swarmed Kush, um, got him up against the cage, uh, kind of clipped him in the top of the head, which I'm not sure if it really if that's what threw him off. But what it did was it caused him to duck down, ate a super super clean left body shot that put him on the ground, um, and then from there it was just Ray Cooper was already there, jumped on top and. Uh, just went to work throwing as as hard and heavy as he could and was just, again, landing absolutely everything um, before the ref stepped in. And uh, he was in such a zone, and I I don't think by any means he meant to do this, but, I mean, he was so in the zone that even when (laughs) – I believe it was Keith Peterson stepped in – he, had, he tried throwing two punches over top. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and before he realized what was going on, it was, oh. And then he turned around and ran off and celebrated. Um, but, I mean, he was just – everything was landed. He has he's taken virtually no damage. I don't even know if Kush threw a punch. Um, yeah, I couldn't in, in even tell you. seconds, I, I doubt yeah, that he did. I don't think so. I think it was – I mean, not even just like a defensive, just, you know, Eddie Alvarez-style – throw and hope I connect mm-hmm. um, I think it was just cover up from the time it started um, shields I can't remember but I don't think he landed much um, no he, so you he got did. a guy with two very 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 good vicious knockouts um, coming in with minimal to no damage at all um, we talked about it that that uh, Thursday of 
honestly, I find it hard to believe anybody at 170 um, is really going to uh, to be able to slow down Ray Cooper. Um, I, I know there's some really good wrestlers. Maybe they can get in there and, and close the distance and take away that speed and power, but that is a very hard combo. You're going to have to walk through some very accurate, very strong punches to uh, <laughs> to get to his body, and um, he likes to keep that forward pressure, um, which could present uh, a problem for a guy trying to, to create distance and level change. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how things play out in the uh, playoffs simply because of the structure. Two fights in one night, one two-round fight, and one three-round fight. Um, uh, that That's what I think I'm most concerned about when it comes to PFL. It's like, okay, you know, this has been really good, but when we get here, how is that going to work out? And, I, I don't, you know, how many people are going to get hurt in that first fight and not make it to the second fight? And, I mean, because when WSOF did this, for the lightweights, um, that's what happened. Someone actually, it was Joao Zeferino. Zeferino, um, he lost his opening fight to Brian Foster. Uh, Brian Foster went on to go to the finals, he beat someone else. Um, whoever Foster was supposed to fight fell out. Zeferino came back in and they wound up fighting each other again. It was it was the opposite way. Zeferino beat him the first time, and Foster beat him when it counted. So, <laughs> who knows how this is going to work out? I'm still interested in seeing that. Um, real quick, just wanted to touch on, or uh, while we go over the um, the middleweight standings, because there were no fights highlighted for that one. Just want to say yet another. Uh, Magomed, uh, this time a boost, uh, Magomedov man, he is ranked number one, 12 points. Uh, so he's got stops in both of his fights in the first round. Uh, trains with uh, Khabib and, and all the other Dagestani Ru- or slash Russian fighters that are in the PFL. Uh, he said to the uh, announcers, I want to say he said it to Todd Harris. He was like, look, I will consider myself a wrestler, but I know that uh, MMA fans like striking, so I'm working on my striking. Well, he's doing a pretty good job seeing as he stopped both of his fights in the first round. That fight, uh, though, in the last uh, the last matchup on uh, PFL 6, he came in, caught Anderson Gonclaws. Oh my goodness. Uh waited in, asked Gonclaws to have a seat with a left hook. And then when he got down, just start just oh my goodness, pulling on some uppercuts from a standing position, uh reminiscent of Romero Rockhold, and put uh Anderson's lights out. So he's ranked one. Lewis Taylor is two with seven points. Shamil Gamzatov is six. I mean, is third with six points. Bruno Santos is fourth with six points. John Howard is fifth with five points. In the Westweight division, was, uh, whoever was in fifth place had five points too. That's interesting. Anyway, Rex Harris is sixth with third points. And then Gassan Umlatov 
is in seventh place with three points. All the fighters named have uh, punched their ticket to the playoffs. You have one fighter or two fighters uh, left. You got Kyle Michaelis, uh, Child Michaelis, and you know anyone who's familiar with MMA and with uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is familiar with Mr. Magalhães. Uh, looks like he's just coming in. He did not fight in round one. Uh, but uh, Sadabu C did. He lost. He's right now in eighth place because he's only fought once. So we'll see what happens between uh, Mr. Magalhães and Sadabu C. Whoever wins that will be in the finals. Now, one other fight that we did not talk about, which was the featured fight for PFL was uh, the golden girl, as Boss Rubin likes to call her, <laughs> um, Kayla Harrison, who, my goodness, I mean, for someone who did not train in a striking martial art, she's got some hands. Man, it, in watching the fight, what was really interesting is she fought Josette Cotton, who was a boxer. You would have thought that, especially looking at the way they were uh, striking, you would have thought that Harrison was the boxer because her striking was definitely cleaner, definitely better. Um, and, and on top of that, Cotton has half her wins by KO. It was like, well, I don't know who you were fighting because <laughs> you don't look like the striker in this fight, you know. Um, but then anyway, she went through that fight like a champ, and it was good for her, uh, Harrison, because she was able to get three rounds of work in, uh, showing that uh, she can fight past the first round. She can um, go the distance if needs be and it helped prove some things to herself as well uh, I heard her on somebody's show I, I believe it was uh, Ariel's show talking to him about how that fight really helped her because in judo which she's a two time gold medalist there in judo it's five minute matches so it's a five minute match wait five minute match wait five minute match maybe wait a couple hours and then go again so the conditioning is a lot different than MMA and that's been a big concern of hers well she proved to herself that she's got a gas tank for it uh, and or at least she knows how to in the heat of the battle pace herself so that she can come out victorious so bravo kudos and all the other O's too <laughs> Uh, Miss Harrison for an excellent, excellent fight. All right. Now uh, to, and I'm trying to be biased as being someone who's covering the sport, but uh, to, to the fun, uh, the fun one, the fun one. That, that's, I guess, <laughs> the best way to say it. You know, uh, the UFC, that, that's the, the, uh, the pretty girl with uh, with all the money uh, to get the braces and and have you know straight teeth and everything and and uh, you know all the the trainers the spa memberships and all that kind of good stuff and uh, Bellator she's just a pretty girl next door that likes to have fun um, 
So let us dive into Bevel Tour 204 and what fun there was to have. Oh, man, that was really an entertaining card. Kicking things off with uh, Taiwan, don't call me Speedy anymore, uh, <laughs> Eric Claxton defeating Chris Williams. Uh, I'm sorry, Chris Lencioni. No longer Williams, don't call me yes. Williams anymore. <laughs> uh, Sunshine, uh, defeating Sunshine by unanimous decision, 30 to 27 across the board. I uh, know you had that fight, so take it away, Mr. Musel. Yes, um, just a dominating performance by Claxton. Um, used his combination of speed and just phenomenal wrestling. Um, to really do whatever he wanted, wherever he wanted. Um, there was a couple times early in the fight uh, where he had gotten Lencioni to the ground. Um, he wrestled him for a while, threw some shots, caused a little bit of damage. And uh, once he started to feel Lencioni really start to fish for some submissions, um, he would just get out. He would just step out of it and have him stand back up and was really, really, really doing well. Um, in the first part of the first half of the first round of, of just kind of coming in and out and landing some clean shots. And uh, it see, and then Lencioni, for whatever reason, just became the aggressor, kept coming forward. And Claxton was able to use that forward momentum with his speed to just be a phenomenal counter striker, uh, which eventually would lead to some more takedowns. Uh, he did have at one point, uh, if you don't know anything or did not watch anything about this, there's definitely a little bit of animosity between the two, uh, <laughs> to, to put it uh, a little <laughs> nicely. <laughs> but uh, at one point, um, Claxton throws uh, <laughs> Lencioni to the ground. And as the kids are all playing uh, Fortnite, decided to give him a little bit of a Fortnite uh, victory dance dang him a jig while he was laying on the ground as he was standing back up, uh, which definitely drew a, quite a cheer from the crowd. I maybe am just too old for it or something. I don't know Fortnite, but everybody was talking about it, and I saw the GIF at least 100,000 times on Twitter. Uh, but that aside, Claxton really just uh, kept the pressure up, um, was able to take down, uh, as the fight progressed, just really wear out Lencioni mm -hmm. um, with just the constant pressure, the takedowns, and frankly, using Lencioni's aggression against him as the guy that wanted to continue to come forward. Um, and, and so he was always pursuing, always taking damage, and whenever Claxton decided to do so, he would, uh, he would take him down, do damage. Once Lencioni would fish for those submissions, um, he would just get out again. Um, a lot of times he wouldn't even really switch positions once he, he felt like, you know, he, he had nothing left to offer. He would stand up and start it again. Um, really just great technical work um, from Claxton. Again, the, the combination of speed and wrestling, uh, we're starting to see just more and more of these uh, high level wrestlers that got into working on striking a little earlier um, throughout all of these different MMA uh, promotions we're seeing that that strong wrestling base really provide uh something to fall back on and this is another rising star in bellator um that's that's just again a, a very good combination speed 
wrestling and um, fight IQ. Honestly, um, mm-hmm. a lot of guys with not a lot of records, you know, they would have being a high level wrestler. They would think that their strength on top would prevent any kind of a, of, of, of any kind of a jujitsu submission attempt. Um, but he didn't even flirt with it. I mean, once, once, once Lencioni would open that guard, uh, he would step out and, and say, no, stand up. And then when I take you down, I, I'm going to get a solid 30, 45 seconds of, of hard work before you can get me into a position that you can even start to fish for a thing. And that's 40 seconds that I control the, the octagon and it's 40 seconds um, that I can land damage. And uh, really, a really high fight IQ for a guy um, that's that's relatively new to to the scene. So uh, I'm very excited to watch him continue to fight. And like you said, with the Harrison fight, he was able to get a solid three rounds in um, against a really talented opponent. Honestly, so yeah, he he handed Lencioni his only the second defeat in his career, and dragging it out made sense, especially because of Lencioni coming in. Not only did he not make weight, I don't know if you were able to catch any of the post-fight things on it or not. He didn't even try to make weight initially. He came in before before the weigh-ins, like, hey, let's do a catch weight. He was like, no, make weight. So uh, he he made him get down as much as he could and then (laughs) said that he wasn't going to fight him unless he uh, gave up 30% and he was like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, I, I'll take the 20. I just, I want to mess with his head. And <laughs> sure enough, he, he messed with his head a whole lot during that fight. And sometimes it's worse to take a prolonged beating than to get knocked out or, or choked out. And, and that's what uh, Eric Claxton did. So mm-hmm. uh, that was cool. All right. The Voices Marquee matchup was the second fight on the main card. Ricky Bendejas and James the Strabanable I mean the Strabanable <laughs> Gallagher. Oh my goodness. How could one round, half of one round, really, I mean well a little less than half, two, two minutes and 11 seconds be that Good, that drama field, that wonderful. Oh my goodness! The f- <laughs> nobody's talking about the fact that Darion Caldwell came in handed Noah Lahat, I believe his first loss in Bellator. Um, no, you know, no one's talking about that. The champion doing it at 145 pounds. No one's really talking about how well Logan Storley looked, especially coming off of that lackluster performance over Joaquin Buckley uh, at Bellator 197. That's not what people are talking about. They're talking about Ricky Bendejas, who needs a nickname. And I can't, I thought I'd come up with one. Uh, oh, yeah. He should call himself uh, Superkick. Ricky Superkick <laughs> Bendejas. Oh, my goodness. Man, he destroyed James Gallagher. But it was not all one-way action. Gallagher was controlling the fight in the opening minute with leg kicks and strikes on the feet, but he was a little too confident waiting in. Now, when I went back and looked at the fight again, I thought he was just kind of coming in hands down, but he wasn't. His hands were up, but they weren't tight enough to defend any punches. Got caught good 
with one shot after throwing a kick, and he was like, oh, that didn't hurt. He was like, oh, okay, all right. So did it again, uh, threw a kick, got caught, and uh, Ricky said, you know what, go, go ahead and have a seat. Just gave him a nice invitation to have a seat with an uh, overhand right, then came back and did it again. Oh, let me take a step back. Now, we talked about how uh, there was a little bit of heat going into the fight between Sunshine and Eric Claxton. There was also some heat that was generated at the weigh-ins for Bendejas and Gallagher. Uh, Not much, but oh my goodness, Gallagher turned up the intensity with the mind games starting in the fight. As soon as he got in the cage, walked right over to Bendejas, put his arms up in the air again like he did at the weigh-ins, got all in his face, talking smack, and really, he poked the bear. He caused the sleeping giant to arise, and man, when Bendejas got comfortable, whoo, yeah, it just was not good for Gallagher. Uh, so, like I said, he caught a kick, dropped him with the overhand right uh, once. Then he came back and threw a three, which was blocked.
Man, that was, first of all, uh, as far as just physical stature and just looks of the fighter, the fighters, Darian Caldwell looked phenomenal. Um, I was, I even uh, was just watching it before we got on the show, just brushing up on it. And I said something to you, my wife said something that, you know, how come that one guy's so much bigger? <laughs> um, I mean, it was, it was, 
not taking anything away from from Lahat, um, but Caldwell just, I mean, had the looks of it. I mean, he had the confidence. Everything he wanted to do, he did. Uh, he came out, was throwing uh, a couple – I think he threw a couple leg kicks. He threw some high kicks. I think Lahat was the first one to actually go for a, a takedown. And just the absolute strength, um, Caldwell sprawled and was able just to roll it over and, and ended up on top and was able to continue to look and move in and, and whatever way he wanted to move Lahat. He moved Lahat, um, really did just <laughs> – honestly just really did well uh, in the first round, but the second round now, and the reason I wanted to just kind of jump straight to the second round is basically the first round was controlled on the top. Caldwell did whatever he wanted. Um, But the second round, I wanted to kind of mention two things in particular. One, the head kick to takedown move that he did like in the first 20 seconds was ridiculous. I mean, it was – I mean, he throws a head kick. It went high. Lahat ducked on it, and as he did, he put his hands up, ducked his head away, and, I mean, just in zero time, I, it's almost like Caldwell's foot didn't even touch the ground, and uh, he shoots for a double leg and, and, and gets and secures the takedown. It was awesome. If <laughs> One of the – one of the just one of the cooler takedowns I've seen. I mean, you see stuff all the time. You'll see leg kicks that lead to double A's, you'll see the jab or an overhand or, or sometimes even just, just people will do ridiculous spinning things to get in. But I've never seen, um, especially as quickly as it was, this, this high kick to, to take down. Um, but right at about two minutes and 45 seconds left in the fight, just 30 seconds or so before the fight was over. Um, and I wanted to bring this up uh, to you, especially kind of ask the question on it. I'm not, I don't have it in front of me. I don't know uh, what Caldwell's record is um, at this weight. I mean, I know what, it, it, what his record is, but I don't know how he's finished. Um, if he's gotten more submissions, if he's done it. I know he hasn't had a, a knockout in a while. Um, <laughs> really? Okay, so that's interesting because at about 245, he has the most – obvious rear naked choke <laughs> and he probably he doesn't he never cinches it down it's as you're watching it he gets the takedown he slides over and puts one hook into uh and takes lahad's back or lahad's back uh halfway and you see him reach across with his left pins noad lahad's right arm down pulls his right out arm out and wraps it under the chin Lahat doesn't even remotely drop, tuck his chin, anything. Matter of fact, at one point, he looks up at his corner <laughs> with Caldwell's arm still under the neck, and he never sensed it in. And it, I, I'm not entirely sure why. There was something he didn't like. I know he didn't actually have back position. He was kind of in a – he really would have been more in a, in a side mount, I guess, if he would have secured – if he would have – if he would have tried to tighten up on it. Um but it was something I kind of wanted to ask if, if – I don't know if you saw it or if you remembered it as, as much, but that to me was something that – I'm sitting there while I was watching it. I'm going, what are you doing? <laughs> Just cinch it down. You've got it. And then, of course, you know, 30, 40 seconds later, he, he ends it with uh, ground and pound. Is, is I don't know if Lahat realized that, oh, wow, I'm really in a compromising position and tried to turn out of it, which turned him up against the fence, and then he just ate a couple of 
really good uh, right hands. But um, I wanted I wanted to present that to you if, if you if you noticed or if you saw of why do you think that Caldwell was trying to make a statement, um, or do you think that he's just truly he didn't like the position, or maybe he just didn't even realize? Um, I mean, because it's it's the most obvious submission you're probably ever gonna see in mixed martial arts <laughs> if you go back and watch that fight about 240 he has it and he holds that position till about uh, i'm sorry about 250 he has it and he holds that position till about 240 uh with his arm under the chin with no defense at all from lot <laughs> it's I, I i don't know it's just the more i watch it the more i go i still don't understand it <laughs> um do you think it was trying to make a statement going in or <laughs> oh for for sure i mean it just as again as i was watching it i mean he worked so hard for it he did I mean, it was textbook reaching across the left arm, pinning the right arm where you can't even fight the glove. And frankly, I know it's it's unorthodox, but it's been done before where the guy will hold that arm. You're stuck against the fence. You've got nowhere to go and you can cinch in, grab your own shoulder and actually use your left arm, your left shoulder to kind of pull tension and hold. Um, Maybe again, there's just something we couldn't really see the left side. Uh, Maybe. Lahat had a, a hand, you know, his left hand up. I, I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, just the more I watched, it, especially when Lahat looks over to his corner and picks that head up, I thought for sure it's gonna, he's gonna cinch it in. I mean, he, he, there's no reason not to, and then he didn't, and it was just, uh, it, it shocked me. I guess, I guess you're right, just trying to, you know, diversify that portfolio a little bit. <laughs>
Um, uh, I've got, uh, my newest sports one is at ambush sports, my personal, which is where everything, uh, that I, that, you know, we do, that's where I share the, the podcast and any articles or anything that I've got is at bearded moose. And that's with two zeros. So that's M zero zero S E. Um, or you can find me on Facebook, Josh Moosel and, uh, check out all the other stuff I do besides talk and write about MMA and football, um, which is a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> uh, but also check out, uh, you know, I, and I've been remiss not even to, to mention it, but you mentioned it today talking about uh, the main card. Definitely go and check that out. I, I believe you, you put them out at the same time, or at least I always see them at the same time. Um, really a good, uh, a good podcast uh, just to, to see what's coming up, not just listen to what, happened last week um i know i've actually caught quite a few really neat uh fights that i didn't necessarily know about or one i had no idea about and some that i just forgotten about because they're not major promotions that you had mentioned on the main card uh podcast that you do and uh and it was a really cool uh really cool fights so shout out to to that one that comes out too
like fight fans. It would not be an aftermath without it being broken up into two parts. Why? Because Anchor loves us. Anyway, anyway, Bendejas throws a, a three with his left. That gets Perry. Comes across with the right. Says, have a seat. That shook him up. He stood up. And then, uh, thank you to the bearded wonder for pointing this out, he threw another combination, which really spelled the end of the fight for Gallagher. Everything else that happened was just sprinkles and a cherry on top of the Sunday for Ben Dejas because after he threw this beautiful combination, which he's thrown before, salute to uh, Robin Black for putting out a a, uh, breakdown video regarding it, but Bendejas has a combination that he likes to throw, which is fainting with a jab. He may come back with a hook and then throw the right, but this time he fainted with the jab and then threw the jab, came back with the right, and that shut his lights out. Like or I should say that disconnected him from reality. Lights were on, but no one was <laughs> home. He was just kind of walking around uh in a daze, didn't know what was going on. Then it was time for the Shawn Michaels special. That's right. The super kick heard round the world, uh, which further disconnected him from reality. Then his body said, you know what, I can't stand anymore. So it <laughs> fell to the ground. Uh, Bendejas came with the overhand right on the ground, then just start unleashing with these left hooks from Hades, and the ref had to pull him off, stop the fight. But uh, Ricky wanted to make sure, you know, he he said, "I know you're out of uh, out of touch with reality right now, but uh, just in case." You weren't aware of this. I wanted to make sure you know that I'm 11 and 1 now. What? (laughs) (laughs) Got in his face. So it was like 11 and 1 talking all about me. Yeah. But anyway, that that was, it was great. It was great. It was great. And it still is great to think about. And and still yet the, the talk of the MMA town. The fight right before that, I alluded to a little bit. Logan Storley definitely came back and did much better than he did in his fight with Joaquin Buckley at Bellator 197 that took place at, at I won't say the beautiful because it's not, but it took place at the St. Charles Family Arena, which I like going to. Um, just a nice homey feel. Anyway, we're not talking about that car. We're talking about Bellator 204. And I said on the main card that I felt like they were feeding AJ Matthews to Logan Storley because Logan Storley uh, is a native of South Dakota. I didn't know that Matthews was a native of South Dakota. I don't know if anyone knew because John Morgan was talking to him. He was like, no, I'm from South Dakota. You know, everyone's talking about he's from South Dakota. I'm from South Dakota. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you live and train in California, so that's what we thought you were from. I mean, that's what it says on your uh, Fight Finder on Sheardog. So, didn't know. Um, I hope that his family was there to 
support and encourage him afterward. He needed it because round one was a 10-8 in my estimation. I mean, Storley controlled it the whole time, took him down whenever he wanted to, and was delivering some very deliberate grounding pound. Not like with what he did the fight before with Buckley, where he would do just enough to keep the ref from standing him up. No, he was looking to finish the fight, and it showed because he sure enough finished that fight. The ref had to step in and say, mercy, mercy on him, son, mercy, because he was throwing some elbows, who just some terrible elbows and, and strikes. And he's like, okay, son, you, you've had enough. You've had enough. Live the fight another day. We don't want you to be that embarrassed in front of your South Dakota fan base, uh, even though nobody knew you were from there. But but whoever <laughs> knew you were from there that was there to watch you, we don't want them to be too upset about it. So let's let's stop the fight. But, yeah, this was a great, great way for Storley to get people excited about him again because he definitely is a blue chip prospect and someone uh, who's worth paying attention to and he wanted to make sure that everyone remembered he may have felt slighted about not getting an invite to the welterweight tournament air ruth got an invite but he didn't and their records are about the same they both have been fighting in bellator for the majority of their careers i don't know if storley's whole career has been in bellator i know ruth's has um, but he may have felt slighted, but that was just what he needed to light a fire under him and get him back on track. All right. Main event. Darion the Wolf Caldwell and Noah Neo Lahat. What say you? Man, that was, first of all, uh, as far as just physical stature and just looks of the fighter, the fighters, Darian Caldwell looked phenomenal. Um, I was, I even uh, was just watching it before we got the show, just brushing up on it. And I said something to you, my wife said something that, you know, how come that one guy's so much bigger? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, it was, it was not taking anything away from, from Lahat. um, But Caldwell just, I mean, had the looks of it. I mean, he had the confidence, everything he wanted to do, he did. Uh, he came out, was throwing uh, a couple – I think he threw a couple leg kicks. He threw some high kicks. I think Lahat was the first one to actually go for a, a takedown. And just yeah. the absolute strength. Um, Caldwell sprawled and was able just to roll it over and, and ended up on top and was able to continue to look and move in and, and whatever way he wanted to move Lahat. He moved Lahat. Um, really did just <laughs> – honestly just really did well uh, in the first round, but the second round now, and the reason I wanted to just kind of jump straight to the second round is basically the first round was controlled on the top. Caldwell did whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second round, I wanted to kind of mention um, two things in particular. One, the head kick to takedown move that he did like in the first 20 seconds was ridiculous. It was, I mean, he throws a head kick. It went high. Lahat ducked on it. And as he did, he put his hands up, ducked his head away. And I mean, just in zero time, I, it's almost like Caldwell's foot didn't even touch the ground. And uh, he shoots for a double leg and, and, and gets and secures the takedown. It was awesome. 
if <laughs> one of the one of the just one of the cooler takedowns I've seen. I mean, you see stuff all the time. You'll see leg kicks that lead to double legs. You'll see the jab or an overhand or or sometimes even just just people will do ridiculous spinning things to get in. But I've never seen, um, especially as quickly as it was, this this high kick to, to takedown. Uh, but right at about two minutes and 45 seconds left in the fight, just 30 seconds or so before the fight was over. Um, and I wanted to bring this up uh, to you, especially kind of ask the question on it. I'm not, I don't have it in front of me. I don't know uh, what Caldwell's record is um, at this weight. I mean, I know what, it, it, what his record is, but I don't know how he's finished. Um, if he's gotten more submissions, if he's done it, I know he hasn't had a, a knockout in a while. Yeah, um, I think he he's uh going into the fight he had six submissions and one KO, I believe. Really? Okay, so that's interesting because at about two forty five, he has the most obvious rear naked choke. <laughs> and he probably he doesn't he never cinches it down. It's as you're watching it, he gets the takedown, he slides over and puts one hook into uh and, and takes Lahad's back or Lahad's back uh, halfway, and you see him reach across with his left arm, pins Noad Lahad's right arm down, pulls his right arm out, and wraps it under the chin. Lahad doesn't even remotely drop, tuck his chin, anything. Matter of fact, at one point he looks up at his corner <laughs> with Caldwell's arm still under the neck, and he never sensed it in. And it, I, I'm not entirely sure. See, there was something he didn't like. I know he didn't actually have back position. He was kind of in a – he really would have been more in a, in a side mount, I guess, if he would have secure, if he would have, if he would have tried to tighten up on it. Um, but it was something I kind of wanted to ask. If, if I don't know if you saw it or if you remembered it as, as much, but that to me was something that – I'm sitting there while I was watching it. I'm going, what are you doing? <laughs> Just cinch it down. You've got it. And then, of course, you know, 30, 40 seconds later, he, he ends it with uh, ground and pound is, is I don't know if Lahat realized that, oh, wow, I'm really in a compromising position and tried to turn out of it, which turned him up against the fence. And then he just ate a couple of really good uh, right hands. But um, I wanted I wanted to present that to you. If, if you if you noticed or if you saw of why do you think that Caldwell was trying to make a statement? Um, or do you think that he's just truly he didn't like the position or maybe he just didn't even realize um, I mean, because it's it's the most obvious submission you're probably ever gonna see in mixed martial arts. <laughs> if you go back and watch that fight, about two forty, he has it, and he holds that position till about. Uh, I'm sorry, about two fifty, he has it, and he holds that position till about two forty, uh, yeah. with his arm under the chin, with no defense at all from Lot. <laughs> it's I, I I don't know. It's just the more I watch it, the more I go. I still don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. Um, do you think it was trying to make a statement going in, or I don't know what happened, but I remember when he sunk it in, and I was like, okay, this is over. And then it was, and I was like, ah, okay, I'm I'm I, like you. I was a bit puzzled. I was like, I, I don't know what just happened here, but I guess when you get the victory, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But yeah, going into it, he, uh, of course, his record, he's uh, 13 and one. He was 12 and one going in. And uh, I said six, but I was uh, incorrect. He had five submissions going in, one knockout. And I guess he decided, well, you know what? I got enough subs. 
and I'm beasting <laughs> and styling on them. Let me go ahead and, and get my knockout record up. Uh, you know, I, maybe that was it. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I remember <laughs> seeing that and wondering, was like, why? Yeah, why? I don't get it. I mean, he's got rear naked chokes on his record. Uh, his technical sub over Joe Warren was a rear naked choke. And I think I said mm-hmm. Joe Warren um, on the main card, I said that he he – did that by way of screaming, but that was not him. That was uh, Dante's that he screamed on uh, with uh, with Caldwell. He just passed out. He was like, "No, I'm not giving up. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to put me to sleep." And hey, I I, I feel you, Joe Warren. Go ahead, baddest man. Do what you do <laughs> and go to sleep. Uh, but yeah, he he's got that rear naked choke. He's got one over Sean Bunch. He's got one over Joe uh, Pignator. So he of the five submissions that he has, three of them are by rear naked choke. So I don't know what happened there, um, but yeah, the 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 KO was nice. It was nice. Oh, for for sure. I mean, it just as again as I was watching it. I mean, he worked so hard for it. He did. I mean, it was textbook reaching across the left arm, pinning the right arm where you can't even fight the glove. And frankly, I know it's it's unorthodox, but it's been done before where the guy will hold that arm. You're stuck against the fence. You've got nowhere to go. And you can cinch in, grab your own shoulder, and actually use your left arm, your left shoulder to kind of pull tension and hold. Um, I, maybe, again, there's just something we couldn't really see the left side. Uh, maybe Lahat had a, a hand, you know, his left hand up. I, I'm not 100% sure. But, yeah, just the more I watched it, especially – when Lahat looks over to his corner and picks that head up, I thought for sure it's gonna he's gonna cinch it in. I mean, he, he, there's no reason not to, and then he didn't, and it was just uh, it it shocked me. I guess I guess you're right, just trying to you know diversify that portfolio a little I bit. I guess, <laughs> I guess. Well, uh, the portfolio will be diversified uh, again the next time we do aftermath. Uh, we'll be covering. UFC Fight Night 135, a.k.a. UFC Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska, corn huskering people who stand up, put the corn down, stand up, go to the fight uh, <laughs> with an absolute um, explosive main event in Gagey and Vic. And then PFL 7 will be taking place, which if I'm looking at this correct, it's heavyweights and who else? I guess it's it's not lightweights. Um, but I know the heavyweights are in there. Not sure who else is uh is fighting. Just looking at the names offhand, nobody stands out to me as far as um the other weight classes. I know they do them all different. So, oh, it must be heavy and no. It's not heavy and light heavy because lightweight uh, fights on the same night that um, that what's the name's fight that the the uh, lightweights fight. Usually it is featherweight and heavyweight and then welterweight and middleweight together. So I don't know. It's people fighting. I know it's it's, heavy, it's big boys because Emilio Rama is in the main event and uh, he is the former. WSOF heavyweight champ. I think he's fighting a light heavy right now, but it may just be, hey, everybody who needs a fight, uh, come on and fight. But yeah, got quite a few people 
that will be fighting uh Shonda uh real OC O'Connell will be on that card too so should be good should be good PFL's been been good to us thus far mm. why stop now <laughs> <laughs> all right um why don't you hit everybody with the social handles um i've got uh my newest sports one is at ambush sports my personal which is where everything uh that i that you know we do that's where i share the the podcast and any articles or anything that i've got is at bearded moose and that's with two zeros so that's m00se um or you can find me on facebook josh moosel and uh check out all the other stuff i do besides talk and write about mma and football um, which is a whole bunch of stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but also check out, uh, you know, I and I've been remiss not even to, to mention it, but you mentioned it today, talking about uh, the main card. Definitely go and check that out. I, I believe you you put them out at the same time, or at least I always see them at the same time. Um, really a good uh, a good podcast, uh, just to to see what's coming up, not just listen to what happened last week. Um, I know I've actually caught quite a few really neat. Uh, fights that I didn't necessarily know about or one I had no idea about and some that I just forgotten about because they're not major promotions that you had mentioned on the main card uh, podcast that you do and uh, and it was a really cool uh, really cool fights so shout out to that one that comes out too oh, oh, thank you thank you I appreciate that <laughs> but no yeah the uh, try to drop both of them on Friday um, Thursday night Friday uh, for aftermath i mean as soon as we get done i'll be doing whatever i can to get this to the people gotta keep the fight fans fed with this good mma content so i will be dropping that as soon as possible and then on fridays can't say what time specifically because things have been posting kind of weird lately like i'll do it at 11 o'clock my time and I won't see it available until like 5 p.m. Friday. So just know some point on Friday on all of your favorite ways of getting podcasts, you will hear Aftermath and the main card. So whether you like Spotify, uh, you like me and you use Apple Podcasts, uh, Podcast Republic, you name it, wherever you like to hear it, by, by, by the grace of God, it'll be there. Uh, and if it's not there, then you need to let them know, hey, I need to hear Aftermath on this channel. I want to hear Aftermath via your platform. You need to get Aftermath on your platform. So put the heat on the people uh, and share it. You know, if you like what you're hearing, share it with people. Because we love to get as many fight fans as we can educated about the sport of mixed martial arts and get the insight that we have uh, to share. As far as my socials are concerned, everything at The Voice. T-H-A-V as in Victor, O, Y as in Yankee, Z as in Zulu, E as in Echo, and that's on everything uh, Salute to Trackstar Sports for the platform. Uh, we will be rebranding soon and very soon to MTMV 
So be on the lookout for that uh, as time comes up. So, all right, well, that is that. So for the bearded wonder himself, Josh Musel, and your man, The Voice, this has been Aftermath, the week that was in MMA. And until the horn sounds, fight the good fight. We'll be right back.